And then I thought, hmm, that's quite seasonal. So I decided what better way to share my love and passion for flowers and to build a pick your own flower farm. Hello, hello, my gardening friends, and welcome to episode 24 from Pot and Cloche Garden Podcasts. I'm Joff Elphick, gardener, freelance writer, and garden speaker from Gloucestershire in the UK. This podcast is produced with the help of my lovely sponsor, Genus Gardenware. Genus are based in the beautiful Cotswold countryside, and their range is designed by keen gardeners who understand how the right sort of clothes can make gardening more comfortable and even more enjoyable. As you all know, gardening is about kneeling and bending, stretching and walking, and being outdoors in all weathers and all seasons. The clothes gardeners wear have to work for all activities and in all conditions, and this is what Genus Gardenware are really good at. Have a look at what they have to offer by visiting genus.gs. Today I'm at the Malvern Show, a festival of gardening, food and drink, artisan produce and plenty of nostalgia. There's something for everyone at this show, from steam-driven vintage farm machinery to perfectly grown vegetables, a rabbit show, dog agility and of course plenty of nurseries selling a huge selection of beautiful plants and bulbs. I've met a wide range of people today and here's the conversations I've had, starting with someone that a lot of you will already know. If you haven't heard of Dahlia Beach already... Where have you been? Yeah, you've been in a cave, obviously. <laughs> you live in a cave. Well, I've tracked down Andy from Dahlia Beach. And normally, Andy, I spot you from about 100 miles away because you have your big double-decker bus. I guess there isn't room here for that. Well, there was room, but we've run out of the MOT. So that's the story behind that. It's not very glamorous. You can normally hear me before you see me, but I'm a little bit hoarse after yesterday. It was such a busy day yesterday. It was brilliant. We've run out of cut flowers. So, oh, wow. But, um, yeah, we've got to go back and get more now. But we've got loads of potted dahlias, and, and September is a fantastic time of year to buy dahlias. They're at their absolute best, and yeah. they'll keep going until the first frost, which is usually around November. I'm hopefully so you've still got six weeks or so to enjoy them in the garden yeah exactly now I'm assuming people will have heard of you but of course there are some that won't have yeah hard to imagine so uh, just explain your story because it only happened about two or three years ago it yeah. all started then yeah we, so we I used to run a wedding video business and we were on Dragon's Den and it was all very exciting we got investment and we were doing 300 weddings a year it was absolutely brilliant and then Covid hit and it was wedding videos that we were doing and people kept cancelling and then we actually went into liquidation in 2020 in August 2020 which was really really very difficult time but um um, like a lot of people, when, when you're going through challenging experiences in your life outside of, um, you know, your, the garden is somewhere you can come and you just feel calm and peaceful. And, and I, I just found, I, I planted loads of dahlias. I've always loved dahlias. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to dig up a new bed and plant loads of dahlias. And, and I just found the joy that you get, not just from growing them, but watching them as they, as they, as they pop into colour in sort of late August, September time, and then picking them and learning how to arrange them. I was like, oh my God, this is addictive. I feel absolutely so excited <laughs> about this. So in September, I contacted a supplier in Holland and I decided to um, start up a new business selling beautiful collections of dahlia tubers with cut flower seeds as well and videos and support and community help in how to grow them and how to create the perfect cut flower garden in a box essentially which you can order from the website and then we deliver in the spring and then I thought mm, that's quite seasonal so I decided what better way to share my love and passion for flowers and to build a pick your own flower farm so as far as I'm aware we're the only pick your own dahlia specialist nursery where you can come we've got 4,000 dahlia plants 
plants planted around a bright pink double-decker bus and people can come and pick flowers pick as many as you like and we also do amazing workshops in how to grow pick and arrange dahlias which run thursday to sunday right the way through until the end of october well, that's amazing but of course this year has been a bit challenging and things weren't didn't go quite as planned did they no we we went big for those of you who follow me on instagram and if you don't do um we went really big this year and we um we took on another acre and we planted 10,000 dahlia tubers there with the hope of selling cut flowers to the wholesale market because it's, um there's definitely a shortage of supply uh, in um, british Brit- grown yeah. dahlias yeah a, a lot of the dahlias that you see in weddings will have been flown in from holland and i just thought god there's such a shift now towards sustainable um you know responsible growing and and buying as well people consumers are wanting to know the source of their of their food and their flowers more much more now than they were so um we took on me i sort of dragged my husband into it i was like come on this is gonna be great fun he's like okay <laughs> so we we took on another site um separate to millets where the pick your own flowers are and we grow we planted ten thousand tubers there and in previous years you know we spoke to a lot of growers a lot of people don't irrigate their dahlias because of the climate we've got here but obviously with the drought and the the hottest driest um you know growing season in 115 years or something <laughs> stupid like that um unfortunately the crop failed so they haven't died but they are mega short mega mega short and they're not um, long enough to sell them for cut flowers so a very very steep learning curve we've we've installed irrigation now the thing is at millets we've got access to a reservoir and a pump so it's it's all free and it you know it, it just feels you know easier that way but at this other site we didn't have access to water um and now we've had to buy a huge tank and irrigation and i don't think i'm still not entirely sure that they're going to come <laughs> good this year but we'll, we'll know for next year yeah. <laughs> we know for now ten thousand dahlias takes one hell of a long time to plant so are you going to dig them up or are they going to stay in the ground that is a good question in fact of course the, you know we're going to get the coldest winter in 150 oh, years God, now yeah, i know tell me about it. and i keep saying leave them in the ground they'll be fine just mulch them and then it's literally going to like big arctic conditions or something um are, we are going to lift those ones up because oh, yeah. they um they're going to be our crop our stock for next year so we are going to lift those up but we've got a great idea for what we're going to do at millets you're going to love this so on the 30th of october although the millets are a bit nervous about me sharing this but i'm going to go over it go anyway on. on the 30th of october we're running a dig up your own dahlia day I mean, that, that kills two birds. Why not? So yeah. You see what we're doing there. So you could come to Millet's Farm. We're going to do, you have to book a ticket and we're going to have time slots so we're not, we don't have a stampede. But people will be able to come into um, our Pick Your Own Dahlia Farm and dig up the whole plant with all the flowers and the tuber and take it home for £5. Pounds. So, fantastic idea. Great. That's going to be a great Brilliant. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carnage, but really good fun. <laughs> why, why deliver them to your customers when the customers can come to you? And they dig them up for you. They yeah. do all the hard work. And it, uh, yeah, and it's, but it's just a re- we did it last year and it was a really great atmosphere and really good fun people came with wheelbarrows and, <laughs> and massive like garden bags full of tubers so yeah it's, it'll be good so are we going to see any combination of your old wedding business and dahlia growing is there going to be a bit of a crossover I, at all up until this point i've said no because i don't i'm not a naturally i'm not a florist so i got a bit of imposter syndrome about mm. that um so i don't re- and i don't really think i could cope with the pressure of of that sort of level of floristry but we do supply cut flowers to florists so if people are looking for dahlias and they want to buy british dahlias we've got 
literally tens of thousands at the farm that are going so we could do that but next year i don't know i might be mm. persuaded you know there's part of me that's like well a lot of people are really favoring the dahlias and they, we did this beautiful swing seat with um covered in dahlias and all the back of it's covered in dahlias we did it at wisley and we've also recreated it here and there's part of me that's like well that would look really good at a wedding mm. maybe we just do, maybe it'll be like one-off dahlia installations yeah well you've just reminded me because was it the spring show this year where you were invited to decorate the rhs logo weren't you yeah god you've got a good memory well done yes we did that that went very well and that was that was one of those moments i was, I was given a week's notice i think the person that was supposed to do it might have pulled out or that was one of those yes i'll do it moments then five minutes later panic sets in <laughs> literally i don't know why i get myself into these situations i literally say yes to everything i love I, I've been doing gardening talks at local gardening clubs I signed up to like 18 months ago and totally forgot about but um, yeah they just literally asked me anything I've got to get a bit better at saying no yes. um, but yeah no, no <laughs> I'm not doing that um, so, but yeah it was, that was an amazing opportunity and I think pushing yourself out of your comfort zone I think a lot of people have followed me on Instagram because they're, they're sort of watching either going oh my god this is going to be a car crash or is this woman going to actually pull it out of the bag and I do think that there's something that comes with pushing yourself out of your comfort comfort zone and and doing new things and feeling like an imposter and that you're you know feeling the fear but but just pushing through it that then you get you're you're rewarded in such a huge way and and um, not you know you're not eliminating fear but you're recognizing that it's just a thought in your head and, and carrying on regardless yeah absolutely and i think if you speak to any entrepreneurs you know, a lot of them thrive on failure yeah you know good. every time it's a lesson isn't it oh my god i am not and it's the one thing now that i'm not afraid to fail and in fact and in fact i actually am quite prepared to fail you know i'm ready yeah. for it and when it happens i don't doubt my you know it's not a reflection on me i just go right okay well we're not going to do that again what's next what's next yeah, yeah come on how are we going to do that differently you know i think my husband's like but the fear just dead i'm like well now we know to irrigate it it's just sleeping darling yeah exactly it's just it'll come back it'll just be patient yeah it was richard branson that just said um just say yes and then learn how to do it later yeah. so, and that's my I, I go with that approach brilliant now if people want to if people again these people that haven't discovered you if they want to track you down is there a website um uh, online social media yeah we're sort of on social media which is good so we're at um, Dahlia Beach on Instagram and we also do I do a lot of um, reels which is short form videos in how to grow pick and arrange dahlias on Instagram which are and also quite ent- entertaining with my background in video I'm able to sort of make things magically disappear um, and make things weird. I've been amazed else. by that I still uh, don't know how you do it uh, we need to do one of our reels courses baggy sleeves I think uh, oh, <laughs> and then um, we've also got the website and from the 1st of November our new collections for the daily tubers will go on pre-order so from the 1st of november you can order the tuber collections on the website which is dailyabeach.co.uk and they get delivered in the spring so we're going to start sending them out from the 1st of march that's fantastic andy thank you very much i wish you all success today thank let's you. hope it's busy oh i think uh, so yeah. i think the saturday crowds are a bit slower getting out of bed on friday they were queuing all the way out the uh, car park but um yeah the saturday saturday they're having a nice early stroll and then the afternoon it goes a bit mad yeah. so you caught me a good time. good good time brilliant have fun thank you thanks thank you I'm with David Whisker from the National Hedge Laying Society. Morning, David. Good morning. Morning. I'm one of the first here. I nipped through the gates as early as I could. So, and it's lovely to see you. I've seen you a few years previously. and I've never actually managed to speak to anybody here. But you've got a brilliant display of all the different styles of hedge laying. Now, I'm from Sarancester in the Cotswolds, so we, you know, we see certain styles. But could you explain some of the different styles that there are? 
Yes, we've got our display trailer here, which has uh, eight different styles of hedge lane from all around the country. The different counties, different areas, over many years have evolved different styles of lane hedges. Where the, the Lancashire and Westland style is a hedge where it's laid to both sides with brush on both sides of the hedge, so the regrowth can come in the centre and you can have livestock on both sides, and the regrowth from the bottom of the hedge isn't uh, eaten by the livestock. Whereas next to us here we have the Midland style of hedge lane. I've heard of the Midland style, yes. Well, the Midland style, the, all the, uh, the, the hedge is laid to one side and the main of the hedge is taken onto the side of the hedge where it's going to be livestock and on the opposite side is where it would be a ploughed field, so that's the bare side and all the regrowth comes from the pleachers and the heels which will be regenerating the hedge for future years. I see, and, and that's created using, you've got these uprights that are obviously taken out of the hedge when it's, when it's being cut down, but then what's that interwoven across the top to hold it all together? Yeah, again, the, the Lancashire Westman, we don't have any heatherings, binders, uh, different, two different names for it, but on the, the Midland style, you've got the binders, which is on top of the hedge, which is interwoven between a row of single stakes, where the Lancashire Westman does two row stakes down each side with no bindings on. Ah, I see. So if we work our way on round, what, what's this one here? This is the Yorkshire style of hedge lane. This is a hedge, again, mainly arable areas, but it's a very a hedge which is really cut back very vigorously and it creates rather a very light, thin hedge where they put a rail on the top uh, onto posts and the regrowth on this hedge is really uh, extreme because it's cut back and a lot of daylight can get into the bottom of the hedge and the regrowth is very strong. Uh, I see, okay, that's interesting, yeah. So and then we move on to a Nottinghamshire style. Yeah, again, all hedges are laid exactly the same way. The pleachers are laid over, uh, nicked, and the regrowth comes from the bottom. The Nottinghamshire style really is the style of the hedge when it's been formed and it's created into an A shape and the regrowth in the bottom is very good and it tends to make a, a thicker hedge in the bottom. I see, yes. Let's carry on round. We're into Sussex now. Sussex Bullock. That's right, yeah. it's north of the south of England cut and it's, it's again it's a brushy growth to both sides. Again you've got a single row of stakes down the middle with binders on the top. Yes, yeah. And both sides of the hedge are trimmed up nicely, yes. Now I will add that these examples you're showing me are sort of almost like bonsai examples, aren't they? Yeah, well, the, 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 the display here on the trailer, these little bonsai hedges are actually 18 years old. And wow. they're treated like bonsais, they're clipped regular, watered, you know, daily, fed regular. And in, uh, every couple of years you've got to take them out of the trays that they're growing in so you can trim the roots, just like a proper bonsai. It's amazing, and you've even got berries on the hawthorn. And, Absolutely. Yeah perfect yes he's really good let's again, move on to midland yeah this is this is again this is just the, uh, this is an 18 year old midland bullock hedge which is the which we talked earlier about the one which was only laid this year which was the the, the new one so now the 18, 18 year old some are getting a little bit past their best so we're going to re, uh, rejuvenate and probably replant some with the hawthorn whips and plant the hedges again and start from scratch with them but even at this sort of scale it shows you you know how strong and, and robust they are doesn't it no oh, definitely yes well, so these are all hawthorn of course when you get into hedges out in the the big wide world you get all sorts in like your hazel and your your ash and your sycamore and your elms and your oak and hawthorn and your blackthorn but of course these yes. are just for ease of management these are just all hawthorn yes now we've we've gone down into devon and somerset cider country that's right yes on this hedge it's 
the Devon and Somerset style of hedge is actually built on an earth bank and the, the earth bank will probably be three foot high, two, three foot wide at the top and the hedge is actually planted on top of the bank. So the, the style of the hedge, it's a much lower, flatter hedge which is actually built on top of the bank. So the hedge may be very small and light, but being on top of the bank, it makes it a very uh, high and very good uh, livestock barrier. I see, yes. And then, the, I guess, is this the final one, the Welsh border? That's right, yeah. The Welsh border is, uh, again, a, a very small, lightish hedge. Uh, the stakes are put in at a, an angle rather than being knocked in. But the Welsh have a lot of different styles all around the country, uh, in the country of Wales. And I think there's about 21 different styles that we know of. Really? Each valley seems to have um, designed or slightly altered their style of hedge. Some Welsh styles have got a binders on the stop and some don't. Oh, I see. Actually, I say that's the last. Have we got one more? Did we talk about this one? I oh, can't no, remember. The one this we've got to talk about is the Lancashire Westland. I think <laughs> this is, the, of course, the one that I'm most passionate about, being a Lancashire lad, yeah. that uh, this is the style which uh, I use on our farm uh, because it's uh, we have a lot of sheep, cattle on the farm, and this hedge is designed for cattle and sheep on both sides, and very it's a good, strong uh, livestock barrier. Ah, now, has there been a bit of a resurgence in hedge laying? I mean, I've yeah. seen more and more of it recently. Uh, definitely, yes. Well, the government are promoting with the new Environmental Land Management Scheme or Sustainable Farming Initiative. They're ex expecting farmers to do much more environmental things to uh, get their grants for farming and they're going to have to plant more hedges and plant more trees. And of course, these in years to come will have to be maintained and laid. And that's part of the National Hedgelay Society's um, up, uh, aims is to encourage more people, not only young people but you know, middle aged people to take up the craft and uh, uh, laying hedges Now that's something you can obviously help with, so if I were to join uh, do you run courses or yes, have access do. to courses? Yes, well we have um, uh, the, the society has a lot of affiliated groups all around the country and uh, groups uh, all around the country are putting on training courses uh, and it's, uh, yeah there's a, a big Going to the shows that we've been to this year, there's a tremendous big demand of people wanting to learn uh, about the craft of hedgling. Yeah, that's fantastic. So the National Hedgling Society, where can people find out more about you? Are you online? Yeah, we're online. We've got a National Hedgling Society website. It's hedgling.org.uk. All the information is on there. And, of course, at this time of year, we're just uh, um, uh, going forward and it's going to be our National Hedgling Championships in Oxfordshire at the end of October where there'll be over 100 uh, experienced hedge cutters will be competing to be the national supreme champion of hedge lane in the UK. Oh, that's something to look forward to. So whereabouts in Oxfordshire is that? That's uh, near Benson, Wallingford in Oxfordshire. Very close to RAF Benson in Wall uh, near Wallingford in Oxfordshire. I've bumped into an old friend of the show, Vanessa, from Poddy and Black. Hello there, how are you doing? Yeah, good, Vanessa. Thank you very much. To remind everybody, what does Poddy and Black do? We make beautiful, colourful, comfortable, waterproof rubber booties and shoes for the garden. And a few alpaca socks and woolen insoles as well. <laughs> and they are amazing and they always catch my eye when I walk past. Um, I think I spoke to you about a year ago. It's probably this time last year. Um, so any changes since then in the business? 
uh, lots of new colours and um, coming here it's always lovely to see old friends, familiar faces. We've had loads of people come by who came here last year. I bought a pair in orange, I've come back for the green. It's always nice when people do that. You just feel, you know, so loved and lovely and like a community of people who love it. Yeah, you've got some very loyal customers, haven't you? We have, yeah. It's amazing how people keep coming back. We had a lady on the stand yesterday who said, I've already got four pairs, but I do think I need a new colour. And that's just amazing, isn't it? How, how lovely our people are when they love your product. Now, for people who don't know, your, your little rubber boots are amazing you can you can sort of customize them can't you we can that's what we're famous for we have a little poddy accessory on the front it's the shape of a pea pod and you can weave in some little flowers or a little leaf or a bit of herbs rosemary is very nice and you can just decorate your shoes so when you're out in the garden if you're feeling floral you can floralize your boots <laughs> you don't have to of course it's not for everybody but it is a bit of fun yeah Vanessa it's lovely to bump into you again thanks for your time you're trying to grab five minutes I know so I'll let you get back to your coffee okay thank you very much lovely to see you again toodaloo I'm with Clive Saunders and I'm looking at an amazing engine that was first built in nine, uh, 1932 1932 yeah so getting up well not quite on the hundred years old yet but like some of the other ones we got but uh, still running well still uh, maintaining running the equipment what we got here today now what fuels these engines it's petrol petrol driven yeah but water cooled you see the hopper on the top with the water that's what's doing the cooling so that, as that boils off you can see this steam vapor coming off that's how it cools this off so we top the water up during the day you just keep an eye on that just keep an eye on the water yeah. oil's all enclosed in the crank on that one so he's lubricated itself all running fine just top water and petrol yeah just keeps it topped up and uh, runs all day now it's got an amazing one and a half horsepower yes. <laughs> which quite, people quite laugh at but yeah. actually you know when you think about it that's quite a it's bit of power a lot, yeah it's quite a lot if you tried to stop that uh, flywheel you ain't going to stop it uh, yeah. that easy only one and a half horsepower but uh, it's got the belt driven then we're running onto a, a pillar drill which is obviously very old now but you can see how they develop from the hand driven pillar drill yeah onto putting a belt on it two speed drill as you can see you can demonstrate he runs back into some wood and he still drills as good as the the day when uh, when he was made oh yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah the guy when he had to stand there years ago turning that handle by hand he was out of a job when that came out yeah, yeah. But i expect he had a big strong arm on him well, <laughs> yeah his right arm would have been very strong it wouldn't been, it yeah, now, but... now you are running this pillar drill as you say what, yeah. what else could you run off this engine basically anything a lot of the english stuff seemed to run the farm machinery so we're talking of sheep shearing equipment i had a guy come by earlier on talking that um um, a, a kale cutter a mango type thing just chop up the farm feed for the yeah, animals yeah that type of stuff the american engines they used to use more um coffee grinders ice cream makers butcher churns they seem to be into that type of thing but yeah. i said more of the english stuff was definitely farm driven so yeah like you see a few water pumps around here today but any anything you could put a ballot onto and drive even line shafts in buildings with operating lays and machinery anything with a belt you could get it on there and get it working. Now, I've seen a few American models around, quite yeah. a few, quite yeah. a few English ones as well. Yeah. Um, were the Americans the sort of market leaders? They were the cheaper ones, what the Americans were importing. And we have got an Amanco, we'll bring some of a board on. It sets out the prices of the Amanco range. And when you look at the cost of those compared to the English, they were importing far cheaper than what the English were about, yeah. Oh, and same with these, yeah, like the Blackstones. They, I think our engineering, I better say, our engineering was better. Uh, that's what we go on yeah but like these are running well but no the american stuff is, is nice and they were very they're more into the hit and miss engines as we call where they only fire they free wheel for so many revolutions then they fire again 
like that one's doing, like the red one there's doing. He's, That's he's interesting you say that because I know nothing about these machines. See, I've noticed some of them do that. They go quiet and then yeah. they... Then they want they... one fire, they freewheel. Then as the speed drops off, the governor waits to come back in, allow him to fire. So more economy, really. Yeah. But then, depending on if they're loaded up and they're working, they will fire more often because they can't freewheel. But uh, a lot of the English ones were more throttle governed like that one is. He's firing every time. So driving the different equipment. Uh, it's like the Petter engines. They, they drove a lot of the generators, dynamos for the, the big houses even. Yeah. And uh, they were running, they were quite fast running engines. And so anything like that, they had to they had to fire every time to keep them going. Yeah, now anybody that might be inspired by all this collection here today. Yeah. How much have I got to invest to start in this hobby? Quite cheaply, a Lister D, which was probably a quarter, million, quarter of a million made, you could buy a Lister D for £100. Oh, right. Yeah, or even cheaper. Okay. And if you want to do a little bit of work to it, clean it up, put a little trolley under it, and you can be coming to a show, get yourself some insurance, or join one of the... We're part of the Erreford Club, there's Erreford Preservation Club. we also got the Forest Dean Vintage Club, two of those. Join the Erreford Club, you get your insurance included. And so... You could be rallying next week. That's Pay amazing. Today you can get a list of the hundred pound, but then some of the other stuff you see here today, yeah, you're into the you're into the thousands and probably I don't know eight thousand. And is that down to rarity and complexity? Yes, basically, yeah. I said the list of D's, There's a big quantity of them, a quarter of a million. There's lots of it, but they're a great engine. They're a great starting engine. We got, I think we got seven of them. Besides all the other stuff, so yeah. you just as you go around the rallies, a nice friendly bunch we are. There's other guys swapping engines. There's lots more swap engines than what they do. Great and just buy, and then you get onto the, the the open crank, and then you're into the the thousand pound, and then you're into the two thousand pound, and you're sun up to some of the quite expensive stuff but it's everybody yeah some people just like the d's and they're happy because they you turn up put the petrol in it turn the handle and it's away yeah. sometimes you get more complex you get more troubles <laughs> and so it keeps you going but it keeps the people the people coming by asking the questions showing what they did years ago it keeps us uh, it's a good hobby for us and i think passing some of the stuff on to the i had a lady come by earlier today she works in a college teaching engineering she'd been videoing our pillar drill to take it back to show the students what they were done like they worked in years to go so yeah. or years ago so well uh, i can imagine it well i can tell it's a fascinating subject but i imagine it's a bit of a rabbit hole to go down and uh, <laughs> I, I i fear once somebody starts that uh, there'll be no end to it uh, once you get one engine no i think nobody's got one engine I think we got, yeah, we're into tens of engines at the moment. We have to sell some. We couldn't get in the garages to have too many. But uh, no, there's, there's lots and there's, there's lots always. Engines are always seem to be swapping hands and moving around and people doing bits and pieces and making trolleys. You've got the engine people, you've got the woodworkers making the trolleys. So there's lots, there's lots to the hobby. Yeah, and so of, of all the engines here, what have you got your eye on that isn't yours? What do you fancy? Oh, I don't have big ones. Big, the, the one with the tank, he's not running there, but when he was running that earlier on, that's a lovely sound to it, but yeah. it's massive. It's, it's okay. Well, I think most most of the engines here, there's only about three big engines here today. We're all getting into the, the smaller engines, just having stuff to, to move them around, keep store of them. But uh, no, that uh, the Petra down there, the big one, when he starts that up, you, everybody looks. And uh, you see the smoke rings coming out the exhaust, and that's what it's all about, so I think. But no, there, there's, there's lots of nice engines. Uh, yeah, we, we have got some nice engines. We have, we've got quite a few to choose from. We, we try to do, we do a lot of rallies through the season. So we try to take different ones to different rallies or match up what you're going to. Like this being a family show, bringing the drill and the belt driven stuff more so than some of the vintage rallies because they like to see the older, more complex engines. So yeah, yeah we got a few to choose from. Yeah. Clive, <laughs> thanks for your time. Fascinating subject. Okay. I'm going to carry on looking around, but uh, yeah, thanks for bringing it along. Right. No problem. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I've had an amazing day. 
All thanks to my lovely sponsor, Genus Gardenware. Take some time to have a look at their website, genus.gs. And don't forget, I can be found at joffelfic.co.uk. In the meantime, may your secateurs be well honed, your dahlias well mulched, and your hedges laid to perfection. I'll see you next time.